0: What's up, guys? This is Elisha from War of Ages, and you're listening to the Kingdom Core Podcast.
1: Hey, guys. It's Sean. Welcome back to the Kingdom Core Podcast. I got Chris here with me. What is up? And we just interviewed Elisha Molins, you may have heard of him he or heard of his bands he's been in quite Many a few bands. christian metal projects over the years currently in war of ages but uh chris what other bands has he been in he's been in a hill to die upon the burial and flesh killer
2: mm-hmm Quite a few face-down bands, yeah. (laughs) Exactly,
1: yeah. um, We we had a great conversation with him. We always say that, but we talked about his career in the Christian metal industry, how he entered it with a hill to die upon back in 2009, and then just we talked about the whole span of his career, and it was just an awesome conversation, Chris. What else did we talk about?
3: Yeah, we just talked about a lot of like the recording processes and just fun band stories in between all that. But even we kick it off uh, with. His most recent three-month-long yes. tour with
1: Miss May I, New War of Ages. Dot yeah. dot dot. Question mark. Question mark. Yeah. And so, stay tuned uh, till the end for that. We we got into that at the end. So um, you're gonna have to listen all the way through, or you can just scrub all the way to the end of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> but don't scrub to the end. You'll miss yes, a lot don't. of laughs. You it will. Good times. Yes. As well as if you have never heard any of Elisha's bands or have only heard like War of Ages, definitely go and listen to Hill to Die, The Burial, and Flesh Killer. All amazing death mm-hmm. metal, technical death, black metal. All three of those are just amazing bands. So go Absolutely. check those out. Um, my personal recommendation: Lights and Perfections by yes. the Burial, as well as Chris would recommend that as well. But you can't go wrong with it is. But you can't go wrong with anything that Elisha has done but uh just thank you guys for continually listening week in and week well not week in and week out but month in and month out episode in episode out i am moving across the country in a couple months so the kingdom core podcast could be slowing down within the next couple months but we're going to try to record as many episodes as we can before then to hold us over so uh just thank you guys for your patience and thank you for all your love and support absolutely yeah Let's hop into our interview
3: with Elisha. Gosh, the most I ever spent on tickets,
0: like the the raw tickets themselves was probably, I saw Dream Theater oh, um, no way. and Opeth. Uh, it was Between the Baird Me, Dream Theater, Opeth. And oh my gosh. What was the other band there? Was some other like smaller band that played that's right like before the big four the of Prague
1: media. Metal? <laughs> it was huge,
0: it was literally called Prague Nation at the Rosemont Theater in Chicago. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I think I paid like 75 bucks for those or something, but that was in like okay. 2012, maybe 2011, 2012. So,
1: were those pit I... tickets or was it like seating? No, it was
0: nosebleeds. I was way up no in way. The, oh, the whole shoot. thing, it was like a okay. massive theater, so there really was no
1: like pit uh okay i got you it's like
3: sitting only kind of thing yeah exactly just like
1: sitting for bt bam <laughs> it was so weird dude and
3: they hadn't come out with
0: like they hadn't done the great misdirect yet so like oh. all, the, all their stuff was still like colors and like alaska Shoot, like the really heavy so stuff heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like super weird everyone's just sitting there and like we're in the balcony just like nodding yeah <laughs> like this is cool low key like,
3: I'll admit, I sat for just like the tail end of the August Burns red set when they did Constellations because, like, it's a theater, but they have an open area for the pit. But there was like yeah. a couple guys, like, smoking weed in the venue and, like, <laughs> right next to me. And I'm just, ah, this is kind of ruining it. So I went to like, the back and I sat down. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, like much better that's experience. how you know you're getting old. When you yeah. gotta have a place to sit
1: at the end of the show,
3: <laughs> yeah, you're like, hmm, I, it that's was so tight. tight. It's hot. I'm sweaty. I'm like, yeah. I'll sit down for a bit. <laughs> that's
1: funny.
3: Oh, that's good. so good.
0: If you let me know if you hear anything, my wife's making a quilt in the next room.
3: I have that's the gotta be the on, quietest so activity. Be, wait, right? on like a sewing machine type thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: like sewing so oh. the, the sh- <laughs> it I
3: It is like, yeah, when, that would be quiet.
0: When she gets to the hand stitching like, how part, loud and she's like super quiet, but, yeah. she's just
3: banging needles together. <laughs> <laughs> that should
1: be all good. We shouldn't have to worry about that. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's
3: hilarious. That's great.
1: So, dude, you just got home from uh, from tour with Miss May I, right? Just a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah, That's that was awesome, like, dude.
0: T- this week was sort of the first like normal week back home.
2: Okay, um,
0: it was like a lot of just. Uh, okay i got home then had a week of like figure out all the random like unpack do laundry remember how to not be a mm-hmm. caveman again and then <laughs> how long were you out for uh like three months almost
1: oh, uh, a I, long I, tour.
0: yeah it was really long. the longest Jeez. tour i've ever done in my life um it was 70 dates i think including <laughs> off dates or not including off dates i don't remember um but it was crazy. Like, we played through Denver basically, like, three times. Like, we drove through there so many times. That's insane. Just just Back crisscrossing to different places. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: That's crazy. But it was cool. It was a really good time. That's really cool. How did, uh, How did like, Miss May I find you? How did that whole thing come about?
0: So, it kind of came because of the War of Ages connection. So, Jack and uh, Leroy and Steve had kind of known and been aware of the Miss May I guys for a while, obviously. Um mm-hmm. just being in the metal core like sphere. Mm-hmm. And right. I didn't realize until after the fact. So Dayton, uh, Ohio, that's where Leroy's from. And that's like okay. hometown for Miss May. I. So they've oh, known each other okay. forever. And then uh Justin contacted Jack and was like, Hey, like, we need a fill in for this tour. It's just way too long. Um, yeah, and our guy BJ can't do this one. Like, could you do it? And Jack was like, Oh man, I really want to do this tour. But he's having a baby like the last week mm. of the whole tour and like texted all of us. And he was like, bro, should I do it? And we're all like, yeah, go do it, dude. It's great. And he was like, yeah, it wasn't really the encouragement I was looking for. <laughs> I was trying to get you guys to tell me like, no, stay
2: home. Like <laughs> so
0: we were like, oh, OK, well, yeah, stay home. Be responsible. And then at that just sort of turned into Justin going, well, do you know anybody else? And Jack was like, well, I should do it. So it was funny because I didn't really know any of the Miss May I guys, but they knew them. So coming in, they were like, yeah. "Wait, your bassist is going to play lead for three months for us? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you played lead? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there was a short stint in the middle that Justin couldn't be there either. Oh, uh, shoot. Okay. Because he just had a baby not that long ago. So then wow. at, for a little while, it was just me and Ryan and Levi and Jared. Uh, we just like ran a four piece and okay. had like uh, Justin's rhythm tracks on the on the backing tracks for us just, just just to make you know those few weeks go by where he couldn't mm-hmm. be there uh but so that's why they needed
1: tw- somebody to do the leads how long of tour prep did you have like how long before you guys went out where you told i had two weeks uh to learn to, to, leads how many songs? songs
0: yep uh and I, what was it like 11 songs because i learned that's another set. yeah it's a 45 minute long set and we uh. packed it like end to end it kind of mm-hmm. like at the first couple of weeks was a bit of a learning curve being like, okay, I can drink water between this song and this song. <laughs> I cannot drink water between <laughs> this song and this song because there'd be like days I'm like, unscrew my bottle and like the click starting and I'm like, ah, ah. Like, <laughs> like put it back, like run back to the front of stage. But yeah, it wow. was a, uh, it, it was a lot of songs packed into that short time. So I spent, you know, probably a good like six, eight hours a day, like nothing but just grinding, learning new songs and practicing for the better part of two weeks and then crazy finally got on stage, finally started playing and was like, okay, cool. We're good. And just rode Mm -hmm. that wave for like three months, almost.
3: Jeez. I honestly can't imagine like the little bit of musicianship I have is so little and so poor that like, (laughs) I can't remember a simple chord progression for a church. <laughs> like I have to have the sheet with me. Yeah, I get the me. one, four, six, five. I'm like, how do you remember like yeah. a
1: full song? Like
3: it's <laughs>
1: mind blowing. Solos me, included and stuff. Yeah. Miss May I has like, a good bit of shredding and solos, right?
0: Yeah. It was actually a lot more like lead work than I kind of anticipated when I first was yeah. like,
1: oh yeah, I could probably do that. And
0: then I like listened through some of BJ's solos and I was like, Oh, this this is some work that I didn't know I was signing myself up for. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Jack com- still available. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, but uh, no, it was cool. It was weird for me too because just growing up as a guitarist, I never really learned other people's solos. I would always learn mm. like close or like some approximation of it, and kind of be like, yeah, that's sort of the re- the right notes, whatever, cool enough, and then I'd do my own thing. Just kind of do it by ear. But with this, I was like, no, I need to do it exactly like he did it every night because that's what he would do if he was here so that was kind Mm -hmm. of a cool exercise for me to like grow in that sense and put some extra effort into it just to make it more clean more professional show up prepared
1: that's so cool i wanted to ask because i'm i'm assuming you've probably been on month month and a half long tour probably max what's first off were you guys in a bus or a van and number two like (laughs) you, you guys finish a month of that tour which is like normally you think you're, you're coming home already after a month and you realize i yeah. still got to do another two of these like how does that feel that was the
0: the day that we realized like if this was a normal tour we'd be going home was a low morale day <laughs> we were <all> like, <laughs> <laughs> you were ready at that point we were all like oh my gosh it's day 35 oh, we'd have been home like almost a week ago on a normal tour that's insane and so that day like and then the show was great and we're all like oh it's great like we can go <laughs> for another month let's go <laughs> so we were on the weird um in between of bus and wa- or bus and van which is the bandwagon thing uh there's this company out of indianapolis or some somewhere in indiana that sort of built these purpose-built rvs that are like Bigger than a van, but not as big and gas-guzzly as a bus, and they don't require like a crazy, you know, super CDL to drive. Um, so that's where we're in right now. A lot of guys are gonna be rolling around. If you're not in a bus yet, but you're not uh you're not so DIY, excuse me, that you're still in a van. The bandwagon's like kind of the go-to thing. Cause you've still got some bunks, you've still got like a little kitchen area and a fridge. Um you have a shower, which is like the number one that's thing for good. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Levi yeah, and I oh, being the strange. only guys with long hair were like constantly in that. They were like two showers a day. like
1: every Jeez. day. <laughs> one shower for your hair, one shower for your beard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, you gotta, you
0: gotta keep this thing under wraps, you know? Oh <laughs> man. Yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely a better experience than being in the, uh, the sort of like grimy van situation. <laughs> and honestly, like, There were so many... You hear so many problems with buses right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. The industry is just like everywhere else. The things have gotten crazy over the whole COVID thing because a lot of people realize like, eh, I just want to go do something else. You know, there's not as many drivers as there used to be. There's not as many Mm. crew guys as there used to be. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not as many band guys as there used to be. A lot of these dudes realize like, hey, I'm actually like way better at IT.
3: So I'm going to go home and do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's one of the little facets of the music industry that I never even thought about that would be
1: affected in that way. And yeah, mm.
3: see how but I think this, t-
1: I think this specific tour almost um, is an encouragement to the scene. Cause that was, that's a massive tour. And for, I'm assuming all that remains cause they were the headliner for those who don't know. And uh, I'm assuming they probably sold out almost every night. Right. Cause that yeah, was an I iconic mean- album.
0: It was a lot of nights sold out. It was a lot of nights. Mm-hmm. I think if you looked on the actual like official like, oh, this night sold out, that night sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pr- it was definitely over like 50% of them or something like that. But the ones that good. weren't were still pretty close or they were in insane rooms. Like we played this uh, oh, okay. room called the Diamond Ballroom in Oklahoma City, which is like, you'd have to have like 5,000 people in there to <laughs> sell it out. It's huge. So, you know, it was funny because we'd be like, oh man, you know, like, 1500 tickets sold tonight or something like that yeah great time and then you show up in this ginormous room and you're like well okay
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: tough crowd <laughs> like but,
0: but it's i mean it's still an insane amount of people and it, it did go really well the whole tour went super well and everybody on it was kind of in that same all right nobody's done this in two years like are mm-hmm. we is this going to work like do people want to come to shows anymore um it's this is something people feel comfortable doing and then yeah, turns out everybody's fine. Everybody wants to come out and see a show. Yeah, <laughs> and, You know, we're right there with them.
3: Was there any interaction with you from any, like, fans that came and saw it? Like, they knew that you were there kind of thing?
0: I, so I had, like, a couple times where, like, there was a situation where, someone would come and then like be there and then like get up to the barricade. Cause I posted about it a little bit, but I didn't post about it much. Also. I'm like so bad at social media that it's just like, (laughs) it's like, if I'm not on tour, I don't post things basically. Um, and so that just means that nobody sees anything unless I don't have glasses on and I'm playing a guitar. Um, but so then like, I, I, there were multiple nights that i'd be like warming up like getting ready to go on because we're direct support so it's like i'm coming out there and doing my own stuff like getting ready mm. to roll we're not rolling with like texts and everything and so uh i'd be doing it and then i'd hear
2: Larcia! Larcia!
0: From like the front i'd like look up and it's some guy who's like at every war of ages show in oklahoma yeah. or he's like at every war of ages show in in tucson you know i'm like Oh hey, what's up, dude? Usually he's, like, he's like, "Get back to the studio." Yeah, he's like, "Why are you here?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, I thought you were working on a
2: record. Like,
0: but yeah, so it was fun to like have those little moments with people because sometimes they'd recognize me, sometimes they wouldn't, uh, yeah, and then after the fact cool. they'd be like, "I thought you looked familiar." Yeah,
1: it was pretty great. Yeah. So you were saying before that you grew up in the middle of Illinois, right? You said. Yep.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, middle, middle of flyover country.
1: Okay, nice. Was there a big scene out there? Like, I, I'd love to uh, hear how you got into the scene and all there, that.
0: There was such little scene that the first two bands that I ever played and toured for, and, like, super DIY settings, I drove three and a half hours for band practice. <laughs> um,
1: wow. Every, each yeah, way?
0: Each way. Uh, because, so when I started with Hilda Diapon, I met those guys because of Cornerstone. And they lived like about three hours away from me. Um, Just like straight West, way closer to Cornerstone. Um, I don't know if you've ever been over in that area, but they were like kind of over past Peoria, like the Bushnell area. And I live over closer to where the University of Illinois is, like Champaign area. So it was a good hike like every time. And yeah, so I would just like grab my parents' minivan and like throw all my stuff in the back and then like drive over there. I was like, I think I was 17 when I first started playing with them turned 18 like as as we went going so we kind of like and they were young too I mean Michael is I think a year older than me and Adam's like a couple years older than me so yeah we were all just like young dudes living in this weird little barn half the time (laughs) because they had like a little barn apartment that it was great where our rehearsal space was so spent a lot of time just being out there sweaty playing black metal and getting on these (laughs) DIY tours and Doing that. So that yeah, I I basically there was no scene, but our scene was the quad cities. Uh sort of like that area. And there were some cool bands that uh we played with locally, like nothing uh nothing ever like blew up or anything, but it was it was a good, like thriving scene, and we kind of stuck out back then just because we were the only band around that played like metal metal and had like corpse paint and like did the whole nine yards, whereas everybody else at the time that was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine everybody was just doing as dying covers, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of, that's how, you know, even them, even the black metal band, that's how they started was doing a, Like SLA dying
3: covers and stuff like that. And then, and now all these years later, you're there too. No, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Chris. Wow. <laughs>
0: Eventually, yeah, it's like the arc of time always bends towards metalcore. Like there's no, (laughs) the the arc of music always ends up at metalcore. But it's one of those things. It's funny that like it is, it's having like a bit of a resurgence now, which is why you're seeing a lot Mm -hmm. of these bands who are kind Mm -hmm. of going, oh, wait, like we should get back after it. Like we were in 2010, like when we
2: were being kids.
0: Every (laughs) 10 years. Yeah, because there's always some 10 year like album that they're like, Oh, that'd be sick! Like, let's do a ten-year tour from that one album that everybody really loved, and yeah. we'll do that.
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's
0: just a matter of time before you go. Like, oh wait, that band's doing a thing again. Oh wait, that band's doing a thing again. So, that's, for
3: that's our
0: pretty our, cool. our niche Prague death metal stuff, I don't think we're going to be trying to do a ten-year burial,
1: yeah, <laughs> anniversary. It'd be cool. <laughs> 10 but, lights and perfection. It's ten years of lights of the Perfection. <laughs> it
3: is. It is. Yeah. 2022, ten years ago, a uh, like one of the internet live stream things, like just a that'd be sick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like something like that would be maybe feasible, or even some sort of just like a live uh, like retrack in a studio. Like if we went to Jack's place and did something like that, like that sort of thing wouldn't be totally like uh, totally out of the blue. I'm not sure if we'll do it for Lights and Perfections. That's one of those things that like I liked that record a lot. Um and like all the dudes, like n- all of us are out still on like really good terms, but we live just so disparately as far as like all the mm. people involved in that record mm. that we'd want to get back for it. Um, yeah. we live all over the map now. You know, Todd's right. still up up in Michigan. Jake's in South Bend still. Uh, I'm here. Like Caleb's in Nashville, and like him and I still see each other like pretty often. But even for War of Ages, like it's kind of we all have to like find a middle point and meet at Jack's house. Uh, mm. just to make things like that worth the time. So yeah, yeah it, wouldn't, it would be more likely to get the group of dudes together who did In the Taking of Flesh than to get the dudes together who did Lights That'd
3: and Perfections. Awesome. But I think like just while we're on that topic, I, I think Sean agrees with me. We were just talking like the last couple months. I kind of refound that album after not having listened to it for a long time. And I I only ever got into the the more like technical death metal like some black metal kind of stuff in the last few years and i listened to lights and perfections and i'm like because there's there's a little bit of hint of like some metal core influence in there like you yeah, know, yeah. The little chugs and breakdowns and stuff we're
0: still on facetown we had a you know there's a quota yeah yeah <laughs> exactly
3: and i heard that album a few years ago and then just more recently a few months ago i was like I think this is low key one of the best face down records albums ever. Oh, dang! Like, really, yeah. like Thank it's you, man. that good to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it
0: was a funny like product of just like all of us jamming together. It felt like an old school. It was the last record I've done that felt like an old school way of doing things where mm-hmm. we literally were all sitting around in a room jamming stuff for a lot of yeah. the writing on that, which was cool. Uh, yeah, it was like we spent a lot of time, in, you know, just a basement, Mm -hmm. like, playing riffs and, like, going, oh, that's sick, like, try that again. Like, that sort of, like, really cooperative thing. Because nowadays, like, everything sort of tends to be somebody's baby. It's like, oh, I wrote this song. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing it to the studio for other people to play. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever happens in between there, it's just because it's so much easier to do that. Like, technology, Mm -hmm. you can be so much more productive that way. Because one guy can write four or five songs. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to be in the same place. If all of you have some like chops of some sort as far as audio engineering goes. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, even I like begrudge the whole thing, but it's great when we're in a situation and we show up for like a war of ages record. And all of us have like, you know, three or four songs that we're like, all right, let's work on these together. We still try to like incorporate some of that, but mm-hmm. yeah, lights and perfections definitely had that vibe. And Caleb was kind of one of those situations. He was like 16 when we did that record. Um, wow had literally like just got his license like a few months before we went to the studio. <laughs> his mom's and, driving
1: him into band practice. <laughs> yeah. It was literally like, it
0: was like, Oh, well you got to come to my place if we're going to like rehearse these songs. Cause uh, I can't really like drive to you guys <laughs> at
1: this point. Yeah. That's so fun. Honestly,
3: like listening to, cause I listened to a lot of these albums that you were a part of over the last few days. And like a Hilda to die upon. I never really gave a solid chance because like, only recently have I gotten into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I would not have guessed that for a Hilda to die upon and the barrel like that you guys were so young or especially yeah. some of the members. I like, know that's for crazy. real. It, you don't get that sound from them. Like it sounds very mature.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the I appreciate that. that Caleb, the fact that Caleb pulled that off on lights and perfections at 16. That's ridiculous. And in like
0: a a pretty similar situation as far as like he didn't have like a ton of time um, to be able to like get in there and do it because it was sort of a last minute thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was he went in there and killed it, too. I think it took like two or three days. He tracked like all of that. And that was like pretty minimal, like as far as the editing and stuff goes, like we wanted a raw sound. Mm -hmm. The kid was just a machine like went in and just knocked it all out. We went with uh, Josh Schroeder, who's... Uh, oh, he's the best. He's so good. And it was like, we were just in, like, Josh's bedroom in his house before he <laughs> moved and had, like, the whole studio set up. It was like, that whole album was just done in Josh's garage and in his bedroom. Uh, wow. And it, Yeah, it's one of those things that's fun to, like, look back on now and see. I mean, Josh has, like, done so much, like, cool stuff mm-hmm. since then. Like, having, he did the King 810 stuff, did the Lorna Shore stuff. Um uh, but yeah, it, it's cool to see. I actually saw him in Flint, like and he was like uh he came out to hang out for one of those shows. And I was like, Man, you know, the burial was just like ten years too early.
2: <laughs> was dude, like, for
0: real. <laughs> I, I was like, Yeah, and he's like, Yeah, dude, I haven't really changed the sort of bands I work with. It's just they get bigger now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess that's true that's funny so it would be did... a
3: good time for a 10 year no, yeah i <laughs> know. No, I'm like maybe now's the push <laughs> you guys yeah. will blow like, up now everybody likes yeah. tech
1: death now so i guess we should come yeah. back i know for real how did um what was the transition from a hill to die pond to the burial like because i'm assuming you were the founding or a founding member of the burial
0: uh so that's what's weird about it is the burial had been around and been touring for like a long time actually before oh wait
1: there was the wine yeah the wine right Right. Right. yeah they they weren't on that oh yeah yeah.
0: so i was the i started with like uh with lights and perfections that was kind of the first thing but all the stuff i toured on when i first started playing for them was wine press and like the uh the ep i forget the name of it if it even has one i'm not sure it does um (laughs) but yeah that so all the stuff was off of that record and they had been sort of like a cornerstone and like local scene favorite cause, um, Kingston falls. I don't know if you know those guys, um, or are aware of those guys Oh, another yeah. face down band. Yeah. Um, they're, they were out of South bend. So the whole scene in South bend, Indiana sort of revolved around them for a little bit before I was there. I, you know, sort of secondhand storytelling for me. Um, Cause I just wasn't around until they had already kind of stopped touring and doing anything, but it built this scene of like, there's a lot of DIY stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on. And the burial was just kind of that band, you know, if uh, scream, the prayer came through the burial was going to be playing mm-hmm. it. If you know, if anybody came through plea came through, like we're going to be opening for them. And so that was kind of how they cut their teeth um, before they ever got on face down. And then they did age of deceit. It's the age of deceit. I know. I was like, I know there's a name for this probably, but I just can't in my (laughs) mind. And I should know it because on a like fairly regular basis, like we haven't updated the burials, Facebook or socials since I got married, like in 2015. But, uh,
3: so wait, are you guys just on hiatus?
0: (laughs) Ah, yeah, (laughs) we never, we never like called it and said like, oh yeah, we're done now. Just because like for a while we played shows. Like, we still kept doing, um, like, we did Sunshine Fest, and we did uh, Cornerstone, and then, like, the last couple years of Cornerstone, and then we did Audio Feed for the first couple years. Um, And then it just started... The thing about playing in a band like The Burial is the amount of attention required to the music to be able to do that and to be able to pull it off is so much more straining than doing something where like the the bar to entry is a little lower, maybe for um like the the physical dexterity involved in it mm. that it like for all of us, we were all doing different projects, and then it became like a, all right, so do we really want to like, can we justify in our home lives four months of getting unrusty and practicing, you know, mm. two or three hours a day and like doing all of this physical work to be able to pull something off for thirty minutes? For a yeah. one PM slot at a festival, <laughs> it's yeah. like It uh, so really. just became a metalcore act. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's the arc. I know we just have to bend back towards because that's the thing with the burial too. Is they started way more metalcore mm-hmm. and then kind of slowly shifted it gears until the point that we were just like barely music by the end. Um, <laughs> so I, I got really uh, bummed actually because so like Caleb and I wrote. Uh, parts of In the Taking of Flesh, and we wrote Reckless, uh, Reckless, Restless Forms specifically to be the fastest song that Facedown had ever released. <laughs> that was the only goal <laughs> when we started with it. We were like, I That's want this amazing. to be the fastest, like, it's ever been. And so we like started, it was like 280 BPM. We're like, this is great. And then we realized, <laughs> like, there's no way we're never gonna be able to do no this. Way. And so then, like, we bring it down, we're like, okay, 275, we can manage 275, let's go. And so we make that happen. It's great. We're pretty sure. And then like about a year ago, I was in the gym and listening to uh, the Serpent Servant. And there's like a riff that comes on. And I'm like, this is fast. No,
2: no, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is faster. <laughs> so I like, oh, at this moment, I'm just
0: like, dang it. And I like tap it out. And sure enough, I'm like on the nose, 275. So we tied for first. <laughs> with <laughs> you go. doom.
1: That's hilarious. That's a good band to tie with, though. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, I I
0: should have known. Like, we just didn't even think. We were like, oh, well, nobody else is going to blast as fast as us. Like, we're the only ones. So it's like us (laughs) and Hope for the Dying, right? And then, yep, should have known. Sneaky Impending Doom.
1: (laughs) That's great. I want to ask, be honest with me, Elisha. Have have you ever been just, like, writing and you're like, you, you wrote a riff and you're like, shoot, that should be a burial riff if... If the burial ever comes back together and you have it saved just in case.
0: Oh, dude, there are total. So we had a I had a couple songs that I had written like right after that. I was like, okay, that's that's what it's going to be like. That's the direction Mm -hmm. we're going to go. They never really progressed past that point. And then when I came back to War of Ages after filling in for them and Caleb was there and we're like a part of the writing process, there's a lot of moments on from Void on that are basically total constructions of Caleb and I's that we always sort of jokingly just call like burial takeovers. Um, <laughs> so there's like little moments that you can tell like,
3: oh, okay. I was listening a- to it today and I was listening for like the more technical stuff in it. Cause the, that the void was like a total shift for war of ages where, yeah. I mean, I guess a little bit on alpha, but it was a lot more like gente. And, and then you also in the background, you can hear all these like super technical guitar stuff. And I'm like, yeah that's all I
0: <laughs> yeah that was the first record that i really like wrote anything with war of ages and like kind yeah. of had my stamp like the title track i wrote that one uh um, okay and then like a couple of the other ones like it what's funny is really the way to find out if i wrote one of the riffs in a war of ages song is uh how heavy it is like generally like it's actually the like really grimy just like like that's like always me it's just the caveman riffs and then (laughs) like steve and jack are the ones still doing like the super technical like pushing okay like those boundaries but then there's like you know if there's a they always let me sneak in some guest solos so i'm always like playing like one or two solos on the records but we never say anything about it or i like never like just sort
1: of like sneak it in there like that's the guest basis solo that's cool. but you didn't answer my question do you have any oh no of the burial song
0: saved somewhere i i would be lying if i said i did not have one there's a chance but i would be lying You're saying
1: there's a chance come back
3: single i would
0: also be lying if i said i'd listened to it since like 2015
3: Okay, Uh, that's fair. It's been so you you just want to send those over to it's
0: been sitting in the locker for a while. Uh, Caleb and I have like tossed around some like ideas of the sort of stuff because like right after uh, the burial sort of slowed down, and uh, yeah, we all just took not like totally different routes, but there was just a lot of stuff going on. Um, we had been just pushing so hard for like three years as far as like getting on tours that were just you know when you're touring at that level like you're not making any money like you're spending money to be on the road mm-hmm. when you're doing these and especially in a time when really our music it like it sounds super pretentious to be like oh we
3: were ahead of our time
0: uh, <laughs> but it, it's just the facts that nobody cared about death metal at that point like you yeah. weren't going to shows to see like cool tech death bands and then I don't know what changed or how that changed, but I'd like to think it's bands like revocation and like, you know, black Dahlia just continually grinding it. And like mm. that sort of thing that finally got to the point where you can fill a 1200 cap room with a tech death band that like, I mean, 10 years ago, everybody would have been just standing around like, like well, can mosh to this?
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, Well, I was thinking about like war of ages in the same way where, I mean, different genre and, different circumstances but i feel like when they were releasing the early face down stuff back in like 06 07 08 like when they first kind of got on face down they weren't like super big staples in the the christian metal scene but if you look now like today Mm -hmm. they kept on and they have so many albums that all of a sudden the band is like pretty synonymous with christian metal like you you know right yeah yeah. ages right it's true yeah yeah, it's that the bands that stuck around and kept releasing music, like they're legendary now, just because there's yeah. like
1: s- like huge discussion, and because they're still Christian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: it's like you wait, you wait long enough, and all you gotta do if you don't quit, you win. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. you know, hang on, play the know. long game. Yeah, play the play the long game. Just just hear me out, boys. <laughs> we just sit That's around great. until we're cool again, but. No, it is one of those things that I, I think for them too, it's funny talking to Steve and Leroy about that because uh, like, they're uh, not like super like older than us, but they're like a solid like eight or nine years older than everybody else in the band at this point. Um, and they talk about those early days of like the metalcore thing. They were legitimately just like doing what they'd normally do and had no idea why people liked them. Like, because Steve Steve was just like, I want to play Iron Maiden. And Lero was like, Have you ever heard of Terror? And they're, <laughs> they're both just sitting there like in their like bedroom, like playing riffs and like coming up with what in their mind is just like, Oh, this is kind of a mashup. I like terror, you like Iron Maiden? Like, let's try to make that work. They had no real like outside conception of like other bands are doing this and blowing up. Mm-hmm. they're just like yeah. working at walmart and like playing guitar all day <laughs> the next day because they they were like hanging out
1: and they like accidentally
0: accident- invented metal they like accidentally uh, <laughs> uh, like at the same time everyone else was inventing it What if it. we mixed metal with hardcore <laughs> with hardcore and steve's like i don't know what that is but i'll try <laughs> that's amazing and, yeah it's just like Leroy's like, no, it's just, just, dun, dun, ka, dun, 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 <laughs> you know, Like, try to explain, like, we'll be like, it'll be cool. Out. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, It's funny weird. to hear that. Cause they, it just wasn't like a thing for them. Like they were, they lived in different worlds. Like Steve yeah. just wanted to play metal and you know, Leroy just wanted to do hardcore. And it just happened that they also were sort of in the part of the world or the part of the U S at that point that that was blowing up in. And so they got a lot of cool tours. Uh, they got a lot of cool options to play with people and just being from the Northeast helped make that happen. It was sort of like, that's what I imagine when you talk about like, Oh, what was the scene like in a place? Cause like you Mm -hmm. can tell when a scene like produces a handful of bands that you're like, there was just something in the water. Like why is Mm -hmm. it like kill switch? All that remains, like all these bands are from the unearth. Like all these bands are from the same, like few hundred mile radius. Like what's happening there. That's the same thing with like all my favorite bands from back in the day were all Florida. Like it was all, it was death. Oh yeah. And like, mm-hmm. you know, cynic and atheist and like uh, cannibal corpse, like all those bands, like in the Florida death metal scene in the nineties, there was something weird going on where it's just like, Oh no, it's like, it's almost like a com- like a competitive field without it necessarily being that way. But those scenes do just tend to produce that.
1: Mm hmm. Or you even got, like, the metalcore scene in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Right, yeah, yeah.
0: You got or so the many E-Mos names. You got ABR. Seattle. You got...
1: <laughs> yeah, yep. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So I wanted to ask, so um, the burial you guys last recorded in 2013, so I'm assuming you guys probably disbanded or went on hiatus around 2014, 2015, and then it wasn't until 2017 that Flesh Killer came out with their album. How did... You, fill in the time in between that for us
0: yeah yeah so it was uh it was a weird time it's like especially like just me personally it was a weird time um because i basically uh so part of the reason that the burial ended up disbanding and like we weren't doing anything was my mom passed away in a car wreck in like 2013 and so it was like a like a whoa i gotta figure out my life like fast sort of Mm -hmm. situation had no idea what I was doing at that point. I was still just like couch surfing with my parents. You know, like, they were letting me live there. Cause they were like, ah, eventually this music thing will work out. Uh, which was cool. And then, uh, she passed away, which obviously was a big, uh, shift as far as like, oh wow. Like we can't, I can't justify like being gone. Like, you know, I need to be home with my family and, you know, mm-hmm. figure these sorts of things out. My dad got cancer shortly after, um, like a within a couple months he had had it, but it like he finally went and got it checked out. Cause it was basically something my mom had been nagging him about and he wouldn't go do anything about it. Finally did. And then luckily found out he could get it removed, but mm. it meant that he was like in a bad spot. So it was just me and my little sister at home kind of like helping keep things moving at that point in time. Um, So fast forward that that's basically all of 2013 for me after in the taking of flesh came out that over that summer um that happened in october and then all the way up until like the middle of 2014 war of ages asked me like hey like you want to come play bass and sing for a tour and i was like yeah sure like let's do it and then i get out there and i just realized the whole time like that i was not in a state mentally mm-hmm. to be out doing this um mm-hmm. it like cuz i love the dudes like we all got along super well like it worked like the you know everything worked on paper it, so when i turned down they were like hey we're going to europe with shadows fall and unearth and
1: wow i um, like all this stuff That's a in, tour. Like, a,
0: yeah and i was like yeah i'm not going and i kind of left them in the lurch in a bad way and luckily they like found somebody to fill in they got mark to come back and fill in but for me i was just like no i'm running away from my problems like i haven't i haven't really healed i haven't really figured out what to do with my life or like i don't know what i even believe like there was a lot of my struggle there that was about like well wait do i really think god's good like do i really mm. think god's real like do i think that like it, it's easy to abstractly go like oh bad things happen to people and it's okay for x reason it, you know and then like you get the rug pulled out from under you a little bit and you're like wait do i actually believe that or am i just saying that because mm-hmm. it's an easy answer to give somebody when they ask right um so i just went on a big you know looking for answers sort of quest on my own. And part of that was knowing like immediately I was like, okay, my wife like helped me so much. She wasn't my wife at the time. Obviously we were just dating. Um, but she helped me through so much of that, that I was like, okay, I don't know anything else. I don't know anything about what my life's going to look like, but I need to get married. Like she's the person I'm going to marry. So Mm -hmm. let's get married. I'll figure out the rest. And that's more or less what we did. Uh, 2014 into 2015, I, yeah i was like okay i'm gonna go drive a forklift because i can do that and so <laughs> i mean you're forklift certified a forklift certified baby <laughs> <laughs> <Even> lift, <bro. laughs> what <Yeah>. a legend <laughs>
2: yeah
0: i was like i got the car heart yes i do car heart stuff uh, but, but uh, it was one of those things like I I was just like, well, I can do this. Like I'd never, I'd never even like worked at McDonald's at that point. Like I'd spent every waking moment trying to play music and trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd really like sort of left out other parts of my development. I realized like, I, I really didn't know what I thought about things. I didn't really know what I, what I valued as a person. And so I took that time and learned how to be a husband, learned how to like develop into something of a man. And at that point I was like, 20 well 2015 yeah i was like 24 years old um so still now i look back at that i'm like gosh i was a baby like i i didn't know anything and it's like i give myself a lot more grace but back then i was beating myself over the head like what are you gonna do with the rest of your life man like and so you Hmm. start start that train um did that like developed a great marriage with my wife and then i actually it was like a weird serendipitous thing of like I hurt myself really bad at work. I fell and Mm. like fast forward to 2017, I fell like messed up my legs super bad and was laid on my back for like six weeks. And randomly, uh, Ula from X toll just messages me on Facebook and was like, Hey, you want to do vocals on an
1: album? (laughs) And I was like, you know, I, you know him beforehand.
0: No, no, I had messaged him. Like I had messaged him like one time before that um he had like because there was some cross promotion between x toll self self-titled and in the taking of flesh like our poster was on the back of
1: oh yeah X-Tol's
0: yeah, poster. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: 2013 yeah. yeah
0: exactly and like i i was a massive x toll fan like i grew up one of my first like real metal <laughs> albums yeah dude one of my first like real metal albums i i got was undeceived and I just so like good. abused that CD. Like I just had my little Walkman and it went with me everywhere. And <laughs> so like, it was crazy to me to have this dude like that. I really admire, like just hit me up and like back in 2013, he was like, Oh, that record's cool. You know, nice job. And I was like, Oh, thanks man. Like, and that meant a lot to me. Yeah. So then four years <laughs> later, he just like out of the blue messages me and is like, would you want to do vocals on a record? And I was like, uh, yes, where like I'll go now. <laughs> and uh i knew jack at the time like i hadn't got back with war of ages in that span of time either because um, they had done alpha and then they they were still working on stuff and still touring and uh but i knew jack was running this studio so i was like yeah jack i gotta i gotta come do a record like will you will you record me and he's like yeah sure bro who's it for And i was like i don't i guess extol like i don't know <laughs>
2: I was like, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs>
0: and then, a- after that, he was like, "Well, yeah, sure." I was like, "Okay, cool." And I tell Lula, and he's like, "Well, I've got this new project. Like, it's these guys. Like, here's some of the songs. Like, let me know if you if you'd want to do it." I was like, "Yeah, this this is great." I didn't even really listen to the music because I was just like, "Obviously, I'm going to do it." Um, right. <laughs> then, then, then he was like, "Oh, okay. Well, would you want to play guitar? Like, if we ever played live." And I'm thinking like, okay, one guy in America, the other guys are in Norway, like probably not going to happen, but yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll play guitar live. Why not? Uh, he's like, cool, cool. Yeah, that's cool. And that was basically our first conversation. And uh, after that, I think it was like two days later, I seriously just thought like, well, I should probably get my vocals in shape. Like I'll, uh, I'll be fine. You yeah, know, whatever. And then calls me back like two days later. He's like, Hey, uh, so I need your ID to book tickets. To shoot a music video and do all this stuff in like two months, and I think it was like like he's months. gonna fly you out to Norway. Yeah, it was like flying me out to Norway to go do this, and I was like, oh, I so I funny. had not planned on <laughs> doing that at all. So I would just sort of be like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, I guess I need to learn the songs then, like actually learn how to play guitar. <laughs> but in that period of time that I was like sort of like doing all that introspection, I basically put my guitar in a case in. 2014 and didn't pull it out again until Mm. that happened in 2017 Uh, I had played around a little bit with like two songs those two songs that I wrote for a hill to die upon on via artist via mortis those are the only two things I did between then and there and I literally pulled out my guitar to do those like it wasn't like I wasn't like sitting there thinking about it just like
3: yeah I'll uh, I'll pull them out my guitar (laughs) just (laughs) Still got it. it. Yeah, still got it. It was really funny because,
0: like, it actually ended up in a weird way, like, kind of proving that, like, there's more to the music than meets the eye in a lot of cases. Because the two songs Mm -hmm. I wrote, I had no part in dealing with the lyrics. I had no part, really, in communicating anything with the lyrics. That's all Adam and Michael. I just sent them two, like, sets of music, basically, like, two songs, and the lyrics in those songs, like. They were dark, but they depicted exactly what I was going through at that time. Mm. They were depicting like this, just this feeling. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I was feeling like when I wrote these songs. So it was kind of like a weird way to me. It was eye opening for me to go, even in this moment when I didn't think I was like connecting to something, I didn't think I was like really getting it musically anymore or I didn't, uh, music wasn't even really a priority for me. I just picked up the instruments because yeah, my buddies want me to help them write some songs. Like I'll do that. Mm -hmm. And that was what gave me the motivation to do it. But there was some like connection spiritually for Mm -hmm. them to feel. And just, I don't know how you want to say that it's like a weird, especially because they are darker lyrics, but they're still true. It's still like something Mm -hmm. came through about Mm -hmm. what I was feeling in those times. And they were able to interpret that and just put it to paper, you know, in a way that kind of blew my mind. And I was like, okay, that like got the gears turning a little bit. But then, sort of, just faded back off. And then Ula hit me up for Flesh Killer. It's like, all right, let's go. But I hadn't played in probably like three years. Seriously. Jeez. Um, yeah. And so I went from like the, as rusty as I've ever been to like the best guitar shape I've ever been in my life inside of like four months. <laughs>
1: That's amazing.
0: Because like every day before I'd go to the go get on my forklift, I'd wake up at like four <laughs> in the morning and I'd play guitar for like two hours before I went to work. And then... I'm just
1: imagining you like shredding some death metal on a forklift. <laughs> yeah. <just> like... <laughs> did yeah, it's did you ever yeah. or on on Flesh Killer
3: what vocals did you end up doing? Was that you doing lots of the screams or was that? Yeah,
0: every every scream on the record is me. Um, wow. Okay. All the oh, okay. All of the the like singing singing is Ula. So there's really only oh, yeah. like two two vocalists on the record and okay. so like all of the the gutturals and the screaming that you hear is Dude, just me yelling insane. into a yelling into a can in Jack's basement. That's
3: <laughs> and for warming up your vocals for the first time forever. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. And like,
0: that, that, that was, that was a, sick, man. It actually like it was one of those things I had never experienced that level of vocal fatigue either doing that record because yeah. I hadn't done it in so long. And I was like, ah, I'll be fine. And also, like, we really wanted to lean into the old school, like, obituary style. Just like, I love that. E- e- e-, you know, like, all of that, <laughs> like, ridiculous, like, just like gnarly, like, hold out a note and just like, Eah. so, like, it, it wasn't just a lot of like staccatos, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's way easier on my voice. You know, the stuff I do with the burial, I could do like 12 hours a day, no problem. But then when it mm. came to the stuff with Flesh Killer, I was like, I'd get like four hours in and I'm just like, oh,
1: I can't talk. Like, sorry. You wow. To,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to like go back and do it again tomorrow. Like just wait for my voice to sort of reset, but yeah. Good times. Just sitting there on Jack's couch, like after recording for a while with some tea, just like kind of,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can hardly speak for, for my project. I did the five songs for it. Four songs spread over like three months at a time like and i would just do the one song and record for a couple hours and almost guaranteed every time a my i'm like kind of can't talk for the rest of the day but like the next day i almost it develops into a cold like i'm like having cold (laughs) symptoms you're like pushing
0: yourself into yeah
3: yeah, I'm like, I'm probably doing something
1: wrong. <laughs> You're screaming with your immunity system, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like,
3: I can't practice not practice. Your white blood cells are really pushing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was living in an apartment for most of those songs, and I'm like, I can't. I have nowhere to practice. I can't do this. Right, <laughs> like, so yeah. I'll, be, I'll go somewhere, quickly record, and then that's it for, like, yeah. a couple months.
0: I think that's an underrated part of that, like, the three-hour drives I was talking about, like, going mm. into, like, those areas, I would just sit there and, like, sing along or scream along to, like, every record I loved. Every drive yeah, there and yeah, back. Mm. And that was something that, like, I didn't really know how to do, like, proper vocals before mm. I joined the burial. Um, it, it was, like, I always just did backing stuff for Hill to Die Upon, and it was all kind of caveman-y. It was, like, almost better <laughs> if you didn't know what you were doing. So, yeah. like, it made more sense than that says to just like mm-hmm. hang back, but there's a lot of time just sitting there in those cars. And if you don't have that space where you're not like feeling awkward, like the neighbors can totally hear me. Like, this is weird. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I'm not killing anybody in here. It's fine. Don't call the police. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
1: That's hilarious. Cool. So I'm going to ask what everyone online wants <sighs> us to ask. And I know you probably can't answer, but is there a new flesh killer coming out at some point
0: there? There has been no real talk or push for it everybody i know everybody wants it everybody in the band would like it that's to the real too. push right there <laughs> yeah everybody in the band would like it to happen too. Mm-hmm. um but realistically some of those songs that came out on awaken have been like around since 2002 uh some wow. of those Whoa. some of those were like songs that ula wrote for undeceived that didn't that end up on sick. undeceived so, so like, you were in an x
1: B-side band? <laughs> yeah, basically. That's
0: what, and there was sort of this funny moment, too, of like, I don't know if you ever listened to the uh, the Asusa record that came mm-hmm. out, like, super sick. Uh, there was this moment, like, for me as just, like, a fan, that was crazy, of, like, we were sitting in David's studio before that record had released, and Awaken hadn't released either, and it was like, Ula and David both kind of did their own side projects with Flesh Killer and Asusa, mm-hmm. and... Well, and Krister, too, um is in Asusa, but so they were like these like ex toll adjacent bands that were kind of happening at the same time, and I you know, I was a fan, I'm just sitting there like in David's studio listening to this asusa record before it comes out, and I'm like, "What is this? this is like this is like reinvented music, like it's so weird, and then he like sat there and he was like, "Oh right, yeah, like okay, and now let's listen to awaken, so we sat there and listened to that like in the studio like. <laughs> And kind of just like had this moment of these two guys who'd like work together forever. As far as like David and Ula, like they've, they've always had this creative relationship sort of both acknowledging like, yeah, this is cool. I'm glad we did something that we can both like sort of respect. That's like Mm -hmm. not us together. It was like a cool moment to see because everybody's got that in the industry. Like you've, you've been in a situation where like, okay, I'm here, but now I'm gone. And it's like, you can turn around and be a fan of that thing that you're not a part of anymore playing those guys Mm -hmm. but like if you've ever developed a relationship with another musician it stays like you're always friends you know adam and michael from hill or like i there was so much of like me that didn't know anything about music didn't know anything about touring didn't know anything about anything other than playing guitar in my bedroom that i learned from those guys and so it's like even though i haven't played in a band with them since 2012 2011 like still some of my best friends that i would you know considered super formative and so yeah it's just cool to see those sort of things like as a fan i'm watching david and ula sort of have this interaction in his studio Mm -hmm. with the asusa stuff but yeah it ends up being sort of like an x-toll (laughs) b-side
1: for like both (laughs) ventures kind of you know that's so cool so then that came out in 2017 and then you joined war of ages in 2019 or uh yeah so it was a little bit before then it was like that came out
0: and i had been like kind of uh talking a lot more with jack again because jack mixed Mm -hmm. all of the he mixed the flesh killer record right um and did all the production and stuff so we had kind of like already been working together from that perspective and then their guy that they were he was like the dude andy um had like a situation i think it was his wife like needed like a pretty serious uh surgery or something like that i'm not Mm -hmm. exactly clear what happened but they were going to europe and they were like hey look you bailed on us last time we went to europe (laughs) (laughs) we forgive you get your redemption back come to europe with us and that was meant Mm -hmm. to be just like a okay we'll feel it out and then you know fill in for andy and then it just became a like yeah okay now it's right it makes sense now um and then andy ended up being in a situation where he was like i can't right now like so it's good and like him and i are actually really good friends now uh it was like a funny like all together it's like our like the band chat like also has andy in it yeah it's like one of those things of like it's always like he's the unofficial sort of like sixth member of war of ages at that point that's cool yeah
1: if anyone has ever looked like a war of ages band member, it's Andy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Andy. And it's funny too. Cause like I, so at this point, because like
0: the long hair and the beard, everybody who comes up is like, they're like, Oh TJ, I saw you guys in like 2006 with SLA dying. And they're like telling me this. Cause they don't know that I'm not TJ. <laughs> we're just like, like long hair, beard checks out. Like, <laughs> So, I, so good at first i was like i was like oh no i wasn't there like i joined and i tried to explain while like you know the all the like shutdown music at the venues like going on and you know whatever and i just stopped i just accept that i'm tj uh That's if so anybody funny. comes up to me and is like oh i saw you guys 2007 well yeah that was crazy brother <laughs> <laughs> you know, like good to see you again yeah, good to
2: see you man because
0: i'm like man i i cannot take I'm like i i could try to explain it but it's gonna. it just makes this whole thing way more awkward That's so good <laughs> That's awkward.
1: i need to oh, what's that guy's name i need to i need to google him oh tj, TJ? yeah if you just look yeah. up like the old like TJ, uh, as i lay dying yeah <laughs> okay let's look
0: uh up. yeah if you look up like the um Collapse video, like they're that basis in that oh, yeah. video. It's just like, oh, long hair, beard, must be him.
1: <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> that's so good. Chris, are you looking at this right now? I was just looking it up. Yeah, uh, that's really funny.
3: So you joined War of Ages officially after the tour?
0: Yeah, it was like 2018 um, when we did that tour, and then it kind of came back, and they had some things going on, and we're like, well, you want to just keep filling in. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then they were like, well, also, we've got like a new record we're trying to do. Like, we, would you want to help? And i was like, all right, let's go. So we did like one more tour and then went to the studio. And that's kind of when I just like got back in it with those dudes. And it made a lot of sense. And we kind of mm. felt like all of us were just sort of looking around and going like, okay, this is the group. Like, it seems right. It seems good. So we're going to stick with
1: it. That's great. So then you recorded Void and then you guys did, mm-hmm. it's Rema, right? Not Rema.
0: Uh, so I've always said Rama,
1: Rayma, That's how yeah, I Rama initially. Yeah, that, okay.
0: That could be my bias because there's a uh, there's a Bible school out in Tulsa called Rama Bible Institute that I've just always like. Okay, l- churches have been like adjacent mm-hmm. to or whatever that I was aware of. So in my mind it was always Rama. Um, okay, but so yeah, we'll we did, call it Rama. <laughs> yeah, Rama, and we did that one like kind of mid pandemic. Um, That's what I thought. Yeah, it was a weird time because we had just we did void, and then we didn't really have a tour lined up until, um, like February March of 2020, which obviously the world's worst timing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were like the last band
0: yeah.
1: to stop touring. It, was, it was, you in the it country. Was, uh,
0: it was us and Silent Planet, basically. Um, oh man that and they were like still playing you know shows in texas and we were in texas Like, back kind out of,
3: first yeah exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> well and then it like ended up just being venues venues were just saying like hey look like mm-hmm. we're we're not sure and then like for a while there was like weird talk that ohio was like gonna straight up close its borders and uh <laughs> yeah it, it was you know everybody was panicking losing their minds like nobody had any idea mm-hmm. what was happening and we didn't. Because I saw like, you
1: guys at Face Down Fest. That was my last show before right. COVID.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which would have been.
1: Yeah, that, that was, was only. Like the first co- week of March or something. Yeah, it
0: was only like a couple weeks after that. March 17th, we all went home. That's uh, crazy. We Yeah, we played at uh, Jake's in Lubbock, Texas. That was the last place we played. <laughs> and we knew like from the shows. Because they they were all fine. And then suddenly the shows start just like nobody's coming out everybody's taking this pretty seriously Mm -hmm. and we're like okay that's probably not a good sign and then when there was some weird thing about like oh maybe states are gonna start closing interstate travel we were like okay we gotta get home we can't get stuck in some weird Uh like it's some weird place in texas when none of us live here like we gotta go home so we (laughs) just called it and like all drove home from like different areas uh yeah it was a it was a weird thing but that was like right after we had kind of planned on pushing void with that. So it's a little bit of a like funny thing for us is because we never really feel like void got the attention that Mm. it could have because we Mm. just really kind of got shot right in the foot with it as soon as it came out. Mm. Um, And, but we were still like, well, it it was like a frustrating thing to go, okay, Hey, you just dumped all this time and effort into this record that all of you Mm. really love. You guys love everything on this record okay, but you need more because everybody's producing more right now, so you better, like, think of something cool and do it now. And it's like, man, we did something that's cool so six annoying. months ago. Like, yeah. we were, I wanted to ride this six months ago cool for at least, like, another six months. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. as a War of but, Ages
3: fan, I ain't complaining. <laughs> yeah, that's Well, yeah, and that's,
0: that's for, for us, too. We sort of were like, okay, well, who knows how long this is going to go on. Maybe we should, like, just do something. And we are all kind of, like, bummed about how things had ended uh because we all like you know we go home like none of us live near each other when we're not touring um and so it was kind of a thing that we all just missed each other like we just wanted to come hang out and i think mm-hmm. there was like a uh oh there was some festival we were supposed to do when Rayma what was that for this new record now this is new record i'm getting things mixed ooh, up oh uh, okay okay uh <laughs> We'll but yeah, there. we all just kind of missed like being around each other and we were like, all right, let's do four songs. Let's like try to put them together and see what mm-hmm. can come was, out. And was this yeah, a Zoom so we record?
3: Did.
0: The uh it was like partially Zoom, but we all just kind of met at Jack's house okay. at some point in the middle of it and we're like, okay. let's go. Like, cause for well, Jack and I anyways, we l- still live in America and Missouri. And so like we it, it's like easy to like for us to get together and like do stuff because there was never really a ton of restrictions. Do other members here.
1: not live in America? Um, oh no, I was
0: making uh, a joke about the fact that, that
1: Missouri's way over my head.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Missouri didn't become Tiananmen Square like some places did, <laughs> um, but it was like one of those things where we we all kind of got together just at Jack's house because all of us were like, okay, look, like through the height of it, we were already exposed. Like we've all probably already gotten it at some point. Mm -hmm. So we weren't like that hyper concerned about it. We're all roughly, you know, middle of the middle of the twenties, bottom of the thirties aged men, (laughs) like we'll figure it out. Um, and so we just got together and did the, did the record together in that span of time. And then, um, went home really sort of sat on it for a long time. I think the between like recording it and actually releasing it was something like a year. Um, yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time.
3: but Because it came part, out towards the end of Yeah, that was like October. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was like a late, like a late 2021 thing. And part of that was just we wanted to sort of cycle in through. The music industry is just changing. Mm. There's a lot of people who would rather you just put out singles every four months than put a record out every year. Mm. And so we were trying to balance the like, okay, it, it, does that help? do people actually want that? So Ramo was a little bit of an experiment in that sense of, we were like, all right, we're just going to write four songs and we're going to put all the energy we would put into an album into these Mm -hmm. four songs. Like we're going to sit there for days on each little thing. And like just every nook and cranny of those songs was sort of like a, like a fine comb, like a fine tooth comb over it just to see like what happens. But, uh, yeah it, it turned out okay like it was cool like we we really enjoyed like the end product but it did feel like unfinished a little bit because mm-hmm. we we're like oh there's four songs okay Where and the then like six? <laughs> we liked it we're the other six yeah exactly and so it just felt weird for us to be in that situation plus the environment of like not really knowing are we going to tour on it and obviously we mm-hmm. didn't really end up touring on it because you couldn't still um but yeah, by the by, the end of it, it was something that we could all sort of be proud of. It's like a little time capsule, I think, too, mm-hmm. of just like, oh, remember that one weird time that everybody was putting out EPs because nobody <laughs> yeah. knew what was going
1: to happen. Like, <laughs> I know, remember that one time War of Ages <laughs> <laughs> released an EP.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that one time EP.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you know, just for oh, yeah. giggles. So you here's our big tenth thing. EP. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned there's a new album. Um, all of the guys in the... Or at least Jack has posted quite a bit of just like studio stuff. Yeah. And he mentioned it is a... Um, it's your War of Ages first... Um, oh, shoot. I'm forgetting the word. Chris, what is it? It's a concept album. Yeah. Are you... Anything yeah, so you I can shed light on or no? I can't speak to it
0: directly. Okay. Be uh, In part because I'm only partially aware of the the finished product at this point because still not quite like totally done um leroy and uh jack have been you know quite studiously working on that stuff because we were still working on it when i went and took off uh for miss may i so that's actually why jack ended up tracking the bass on all this stuff um he posted some clip like where he's playing like a way too complicated bass part for a a (laughs) thing and i was like Dang it, Jack! And he's like, "This is what you get for leaving."
3: (laughs) 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 If you can't, like, now you have to learn. Yeah, if you can't (laughs) play it, we're getting yeah. Now I have
0: to. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting Andy back. You watch it, bud. Yeah, so it was a funny, like, little, like, oh, I feel bad. I didn't track the bass on it, but I tracked, you know, all my vocal parts Mm -hmm. and all the guitar parts for the songs I wrote. So I didn't feel like I missed out too much, Mm -hmm. but it was a little a funny nod to see him like overcomplicating. Not even overcomplicating. It's just not being lazy like me sometimes and <laughs> playing these like hyper intense riff match parts that. just to torture me when I get back. That's so good. But uh, yeah, it's kind uh, conceptually. I'm not sure what I should let on. Okay, um, I don't want to get you in trouble with as the guys as t- titles and stuff. Yeah. I don't just want to Just a little
1: tease.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote some of the, I wrote some of the lyrics for it. Like Leroy and I kind of double teamed a little bit. I, the first song I had like helped him write, on Raymo was uh Pyrite. Okay. Um, mm. so I had helped him write like a lot of the lyrics for that. And then it was sort of he was like, man, this is sick. Like I've been doing like you know, I've done nine albums at this point. Like I I want somebody else's voice to like kind of bounce some, some stuff off work. of. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like sure. So there is a little bit of like us leaning in together for that sort of stuff That's too. Cool. Uh still mostly Leroy, but there's like a couple songs that I helped him like craft. And when we're tracking too, there's a lot of times that we'll be just in the studio together. Like I'm just there like hanging out with him and Jack, like getting stuff Mm -hmm. done. Um, So that way we can all kind of three like brainstorm about like, uh, what about this part? What about this part? Yeah. It's so it's, we've still got a lot more of that collaboration that I think died away sort of because of technology. Like I was talking about earlier, that everything just sort of got way more. This is my project. I'm going to do it this way. And everything's basically already written versus like three guys sitting in a room trying to figure out, wait, how are we going to make this work? Mm. Yeah.
2: You know? um, so, cool. so
0: there's still some of that magic on there, but it, I'm not sure what else I should say other than it's not an EP and it's, it, there are conceptual themes that flow throughout.
3: And assuming that you guys aren't done yet, you guys probably haven't thought quite this far. I don't know, but like. Is uh, anything in the works of like Dave Quiggle doing the artwork for it? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like banger so after good. banger with those artworks. Like, yeah, he's so good.
1: I... Best Christian metal artwork, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> the, Dave,
0: yeah, Dave knocks it out of the park every time. I don't know what our artwork is, but I know we've already been in talks with Dave to do it. Um, I think at this point it would just be, be silly. It's like, oh, like, yeah, no, not yeah. this time. <laughs> you know, yeah. 10 you've done 10 great pieces of art and like, you know, probably 40 shirt mm-hmm. designs for us that were just all the best, but we're going <laughs> to have to go another direction this time. You know? <laughs> Gosh. Now, I, just, I uh, love how he keeps totally changing made sense up for the us. art style
3: mm-hmm. and yeah, like, like void to Raymo were like totally different in alpha too, but it's, it's insane that it's, it's like this is Dave Quiggle making an amazing piece mm-hmm. of art, but it looks nothing like the same thing like
0: yeah and that's so something that's wait. something that's like really interesting about like a good artist in any sense I think is that you shouldn't have to be told explicitly who it is to know who it exactly.
1: is exactly mm-hmm. um,
0: I really like when you can just oh hear or see something mm-hmm. and that's always been my goal like as a guitarist to go like I just want somebody who doesn't know it's me but who knows my music well enough to go oh okay that sounds like that might be elisha mm-hmm. like if i could sneak yeah. onto things and people go like
3: mm, yeah like sus. who this kid would be playing genti metal yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it's like <laughs>
3: sneak my way in here yeah.
0: but yeah that mm-hmm. same thing with dave like he can do anything and it's still gonna look like mm-hmm. dave or like Dan sea like... right mm-hmm. yeah yeah or there's a i don't know how to say his name but he's done every good metal album for the past like two years i think uh it's like elaran krantor oh i know who you're talking about something like that he did yeah, yeah he did like uh thyroid murder i think mm-hmm. and um he did hate eternal like all these like crazy like rembrandt looking mm, i've seen those like just thick like gritty oil painting did he do the lorna short and, like mm-hmm. so sick i pro- almost certainly okay like that's that's <laughs> the thing it's like everybody who's doing that you go like oh that's so sick he did like a Virgin's crown okay um bunch of like really mm-hmm. sick like testament and halloween hmm. uh, all those like old school like just super metal bands but it's like you see that picture and you go oh yeah that's mm-hmm. who it is like exactly. it's that guy like it doesn't matter what's in the painting like it's not like there's some giveaway it's just you can tell somehow by the essence of it it's like oh yeah that's yeah. that guy but yeah, Dave's the same way, and so we definitely can't. I don't think we can. We can turn away at this point. We've got to keep Dave until the end. <laughs> it's like we got to keep. All right, man. Whatever works for you, we got to do it. Mm-hmm.
1: He's already got like the next four albums drawn already. <laughs> yeah, he's already sketching. You know, <laughs> he's like, like yo, I've been thinking right. about like, your seventeenth right? album lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was kind of
0: like wondering what direction our arc's gonna take. Yeah. Here. <laughs> he's writing the concept for you (laughs) yeah he's getting he's getting the uh the rough draft of the the i like writing
3: music sometimes in that way like having a piece of art and being like i'll write something to fit Mm -hmm. that yeah yeah doing it after it's like an interesting
0: yeah like the visual concept i think it i think it's cool um there's like a little project that i haven't finished yet um Hoping to finish that relatively oh. soon. Like, m- it's mostly tracked. It's just like us kind of like beating around the bush about releasing it. But it's, uh, Caleb and I have written a like thrash, like a Dune, uh, like a Dune themed thrash EP that, really cool. that we're going to put the, out.
3: It's the new burial, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically,
0: it's like just me and Caleb and we did everything at Jack's place. Um, and so it's like another just us three working in the studio That's again. Amazing. But, totally different like really old school stuff but it was like visually it's that sort of concept of like i i'm a huge dune fan like mm-hmm. you know read all the books multiple times and it was one of those things that for me it was like there's this world that like you can just imagine and write about and like there's the, all this different language to use and like weird concepts that don't exist on earth that you can mm. think about it kind of like expands and the music feels that way a little bit but it's also just kind of like caleb and i going back to like hey you remember that like sick death album that we both love like yeah let's do just like a record like that like, <laughs> let's just go pretend we're in florida in the 90s like, I love
1: that. any chance that might be a face down release
0: um i don't know actually i've never even like never thought about pitching it or mm-hmm. like any of that it's not necessarily like a christian album in that sense mm-hmm. of like i mean it's not like oh suddenly like we've given up all of our principles and morals to <laughs>
2: write
0: about sci-fi but no it's
2: it was just like dude,
0: yeah. yeah it's based on dude so it's like maybe a little outside of the the face down bubble fair, yeah. as far as messaging mm-hmm. goes um and also like it's just such a like like a passion project that for us that we don't necessarily want to like be like hey let's put some like contract yeah, money on the fair. line for yeah. this thing that we're just doing for fun mm-hmm. you know um but that's the other thing too is like this day and age, like everybody streaming like self-publishing in that situation for a project like this, like it makes way more sense to do self-publishing than actually try to get like label that's support fair. for something mm-hmm. small and kind of just for fun.
1: That's awesome. Well, I can't wait for that.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked about that. It'll be fun. I'll you know, when that's done, I'll I'll make sure I ship it over. It'll still be available Sweet. in all the spheres, but uh just probably won't have like a physical release or anything like that. That's awesome.
3: Well, Aisha, it was awesome to meet you, man. Thank you for taking your time in this evening to come talk with us. And we can't
1: wait for what's next
3: mm-hmm. in, in your music. World. Yes.
1: Thanks so much, man. We've been looking forward to this for a while, so it's been good to have you on.
3: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. Had a good time.
1: Sweet. Thank you.
3: Well, everybody, that is another episode of the Kingdom Core podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, especially if you've reached this point and you've listened to the whole thing. Massive shout out to you. Uh, Thank you to Elisha for coming on and chatting with us. It's, It's amazing to see and explore the whole discography that he's been a part of. Go and check out all of his bands that he's been a part of. A Hill to Die Upon, The Burial, Flesh Killer... And now, War of Ages, so many great bands and so many awesome albums that he has been a part of. It was a really awesome chance to chat with him and meet him, and I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Right now, I want to give a shout out to our core supporters on Patreon, those who give $10 or more every month. And those are Aaron Peter, Jonathan Lyman, Anthony Kuchma, Tiffany Cattenhead, Blake, Andreas and Cody Andreas. Thank you all so much for your continued support. And a couple of our other newer Patreon supporters as well. We've been stockpiling the Patreon money and we are planning after Sean does his big cross-country move. um, We will be hopefully getting some new equipment and just really upgrading this podcast to take it to the next level. Head over to patreon.com slash the podcast to learn uh, how you can support us financially over there. Once again, I want to remind you, hit that rate button on Spotify and on Apple Music. And if you're on Apple Music, you can actually leave the podcast review. Let us know what your favorite band is. And uh, we will potentially be reading some of those in upcoming episodes. Thank you everybody so much for watching and or listening. I'm Chris. This has been the Kingdom Core Podcast. We'll see you soon.